What happens when you put a career-focused woman with two kids trying to balance home and work life in a room with a microphone? Lots of laughter, tears, and great advice. I'm Jill Devine, and welcome to Two Kids and a Career. Well, this is another first for Two Kids and a Career, the first husband-wife duo. Do you guys feel so special that you're the first? Oh, my. <laughs> I do feel special. I'm glad he's along for the ride, uh, I uh, was always there by his side through the many years uh, of playing in the league and all the moves and surgeries and everything. So it uh, it has been uh, very heartwarming to see how supportive he is uh, of me and, and what I'm doing here. Well, let me introduce my guests, <laughs> Chris and Lauren Pronger, for those who don't know Chris, which would be a shock, especially in the St. Louis area. Former St. Louis Blue and in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And Lauren, born and raised here in good old St. Louis. So where did you go to high school? Oh, my God. There it is. I was wondering when that was going to come out. I'm proud to say I went to Villa de Chen. Before we get into the nitty gritty, I noticed that a lot of retired professional athletes from the St. Louis Cardinals or the St. Louis Blues have decided to make St. Louis their home after their career is over. Now, I'm sure a lot of it might have to do with your wife, but is it just so magical here that this is where you want to choose to call home? Uh, I think uh, for a number of reasons. Number one, I think she's from here. Right. Uh, But number two, I think the community, uh, the ease of living in the community and, and the quality of the people, uh, up and down the board, from the business leaders in town to uh, the ease of getting around to the schools to the uh, a- nice areas to live, and on and on and on. I mean, there's a lot of uh, qualities to St. Louis to like, right? And uh, I think when you start, I don't like traffic. I don't like sitting in my car for hours on end. And this is one of the few cities where you can get around and get where you want to be in a fashionable amount of time. And uh, it's uh, easy living. Uh, you know, our kids go to school five minutes from our house. Got a lot of friends and family here from when I played. Uh, played here in St. Louis and, uh, you know, enjoy living here. It's uh, it's easy living. Tell me a little bit about your kids. Uh, Jack is 17, stands taller than his father now. And George is 15. And little Lila is 11. I always joke around with these podcast episodes that my husband, we have two little bitties. And I can't ever see him being a boy dad. He just comes across as just a girl dad, if that makes sense. Yeah. But people I've talked to have have gone from moms and dads from boy to girl. They're like, "Whoa, man, that's completely different." Besides the obvious things. Yeah, I, I always joke with Chris. I'm like, okay, when Lila starts dating, and I actually grew up in the same family dynamics. I have two older brothers. Okay, and you know, when when you start dating. And the older brothers answer the door. These boys kind of get a little skittish, like, oh, I don't know about this. So you can only imagine. And my boy, my brothers did not stand as tall as as Chris and Jack and George will be. So I always joke with Lila. And I'm like, when your first date comes around, I'm going to have to drive you to the end of the street so that you can <laughs> go on a date. Because this poor guy, I don't know if many boys are going to come to our front door. Yeah, with the three of you. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and the emotions, though, man. Mm-hmm. Now, I hear boys growing up have emotions, but they're just not as intense. And our almost think, three-year-old, oh, my gosh. I think they're channeled in a different direction. <laughs> no, we're going to we're gonna use emotions. Watch what you say. You're in a room with a bunch of women. Uh, I, so. No, that's what I'm saying. Yes, it's just a different 
type of emotion. That's a whole nother episode. Correct. It is. It is. I wanted to talk to the both of you because you have just started Well-Inspired Travels. And behind Well-Inspired Travels, there are so many great lessons. And Lauren, this really started with you, but Chris wanted to come in and help and also provide some information on some dark days that he endured. So I know Well-Inspired Travels really came to fruition because of something that happened with your childhood. And let's go ahead and just get into it and talk about what that was. Yeah, my my journey with all this started when I was a little girl at the age of six. Um, my dad was diagnosed with colon cancer and was given a year or two to live. And so, you know, he was self-made from a small town in Oklahoma. And, and he turned to my mom and he said, listen, if that's the time I have left, I want to go travel the world with the family. And uh, so that's what we did. He started curating these beautiful trips. The first summer we went over to Europe and then um, we had a wonderful time. He was off of his treatment. So you can only imagine for a little girl at six years old, what I associated travel was he was vibrant. He was happy. He was whole. He was laughing. He had energy. And then we would go back and he would go back to treatment. And I was like, what is this? I don't want to go back to school and I don't want my, you know, to see my father sick. And and then he would start planning that next journey. We went over to Asia and he started, you know, beautifully planning this this trip again. And it kind of, you know, I really and sincerely believe it cheered him on to fight for his life because back then, you know, when he went through the chemo, it was like, okay, is the chemo or the cancer going to take him down first? And um, that went on now, like, gosh, it was like three, four years. And at that point, they had more radical treatments and eventually it saved his life. And so he lived pretty full life until he was 68. Wow. So, um, yeah, so my path as a young girl really was a love for well or for travel and a whole different wellness um, thought of this is bigger than just seeing the world. I saw my dad whole. So when you travel, you definitely yeah. are in your best place. You're happy. You're yeah. you forget <sighs> about life at home yeah. and anything. And that I mean, that that's a beauty in traveling. But also um, what a gift it is to see different cultures, to try different foods. And, you know, I think it was, you know, a blessing as kids to be able to do that. And we can have continued to do that for the rest of our lives and um, not abroad as much because of his career and so forth. But yeah, so it kind of evolved into this whole concept. I don't know if, you know, you want to chime in here? You know, I think part part of it was when I was playing, needing to source properties that I was going to be able to work out at. You know, I needed to eat a certain way. You know, you have, when you go on vacation, you know, we talk about it all the time now, but when you go on vacation, you don't want to take time out of your training or your life, so to speak, or your job. Uh, because it's so finite and so, so short, you need to be able to train. You need to be prepared to, to play the game. And while you still want to have those memories with your kids and those vacations, you still need to put the work in. And uh, we would source properties where I could train, where we could uh, still have a great time, but I could still eat a certain way and, and continue on uh, training for the upcoming season. And, uh, you know, you go away, you know, whether it be at All-Star break or now these guys with their bye week, um, you want to be able to relax, but you still want to be able to work out, and you need to source certain gyms and, and things of that nature to, to continue. And then as my career wound down and I got hurt and 
you know, struggled for a couple of years and in, in trying to figure things out, you, you know, we'd go away on just vacations. I wasn't working out. I was uh, a little more portly. And uh, <laughs> <But I laughs> to be gentle. Anyway. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think, you know, you just, you see, you, know, you go to these destinations where you're hanging out on the beach or you're going out in the pool with the kids and you're seeing them laugh and enjoy the different cultures we'd go see, whether it's in Mexico or the Caribbean or what have you. And, um, you know, enjoy the family time. And, and then ultimately you're kind of working your ba- way back into the gym. You start feeling a little bit better. You use that as uh, part of your mental well-being and, and you're using that as a, as a form to continue to get better. And, and you're in a positive environment and you're not sitting in the dark in a room and you're kind of out and about and moving around. And I think it's important to get out of that doldrums and, and get out of that dark place, so to speak, and, and get out in the light and see the sunshine and see everybody in their best light. And uh, travel has been a big part of that. Was there a time before where you weren't eating the healthiest or you weren't doing the things that you have now realized are great for your body? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm a, I like chocolate bars. I like, uh, <laughs> you know, I think, I think, as a professional athlete, you like to eat a certain way, right. but when you're you finish a game and you got a game the next day, you're eating whatever you can to carb up, just to get energy. Uh, you know, you eat a couple pieces of pizza. I'd get on the plane and then I'd eat three meals, and you're just constantly trying to fuel your body. You know, I think if you remember when Michael Phelps was swimming, he right. was eating like I don't know, like twenty thousand calories or whatever it was. You're basically forcing yourself to eat to get the calories in because you're burning them so fast. And for me, anyways, a lot of guys don't have that same body comp- composition or metabolism. For whatever reason, I burned it off quick, and it just, I, I needed to constantly be eating during the season, and sometimes I had a few cheat meals. Well, I think it's okay. <laughs> but what I... Well, maybe more than one. <laughs> In a day. Yeah. <laughs> what day. I'm learning, and this is something I'm going to teach my girls, it's about being strong and healthy. It's not about diets. It's not about, mm-hmm. and that's even for me, too, that I'm trying to learn the benefits of certain foods health-wise. And that's what I've been kind of noticing with the things that you're putting on your website, Lauren. That kind of way of thinking is Mm -hmm. what we should get to. Yeah, and I agree with you 100%. Uh, Chris and myself are not believers in diets at all. Um, And It's a lifestyle. Maintaining, always eating really clean, healthy food. Mm We, I mean, the stuff in our fridge, and I usually stock it up on Sundays, is, you know, grilled chicken, brown rice, quinoa, steamed broccoli, you know, steamed veggies. So it's right there. It's easy to source. We don't eat out a lot. Um, And, you know, I I think we both like to eat that way. And, you know, I'll put some different, you know, sauces on it, whether it's, you know, coconut aminos or some hummus or something to kind of, or some sliced avocado. And frankly, if you gave me a choice of that meal and I, I kind of create these little bowls with a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And they're like beautiful and colorful. And that's, uh, you know, what I'll put in front of Chris. And I think if you gave us a choice of a plate of spaghetti and meatballs or that, what would you choose, Chris? I'm asking. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I think, and I didn't always eat that way. I think growing up, I was super picky, um, very plain, you know, a typical kid. I ate hot dogs. I ate mac and cheese. I ate cereal. I ate you know, uh, chocolate chip cookies and fruit roll. I mean, I was probably the anti-health kid right. growing up. I uh, drank a lot of orange pop and all the rest of that stuff. But uh, now it just, 
bland. You know, I, I like eating this stuff. It tastes good now for whatever reason. Back then, it didn't taste good. Now it does. And, and it I think as you your up. palate, it, yeah. as you travel, it's, you eat differently. Yes. As you go along in, in life, you your tastes change. And, you know, now it's pretty tasty. And I think at the end of the day, it comes down to it's satisfying. And how do you walk away from that meal? Like right. sometimes, you know, we could go to our favorite Italian restaurant and, geez, it tastes so good going down. You leave there. And especially when you haven't had that in your system, the salt, the butter, the oil. And I'm not saying, I mean, I use that in small portions when I cook, but, and you have such a, a rich, just like stomach of, Ugh, what did I eat? You know, you really kind of want to, you crave just that consistency of eating clean. Um, so, um, yeah, no, and I grew up that way. I was going to ask, did yeah, you, some, how did this, did it come at a certain time, but that's how you grew up? Yeah. I think my mom, um, she's an incredible cook, and uh, she had a garden at the house. I think a lot of it probably had to do with my dad's health and so forth. But she also, her mother was a wonderful cook, too, and they always had a garden. So it was kind of passed down. And, you know, I grew up at our kitchen counter watching my mom chef up these incredible meals. But everything was fresh vegetables and, you know, uh, sustainable items and and just olive oil, lemon, garlic, all the basics. And, you know, so I, I think I learned that value at a young age. And I, it was kind of funny because I used to go to my neighbor's house because they were like what Chris was saying. He grew up, you know, eating. They'd have like the Kraft mac and cheese mm-hmm. and, and the Doritos and uh, whatever. And I would go there and I would eat all that crap. And then I'd come home and just like it is now, you know, like, I kind of felt like, what did I eat? And uh, so I I think when you grow up that way, you just kind of your body, that's about all you want to create. What happens when you can't cook and you have little ones? But if you know what, honestly, it is so, and I've gone through so many different nutritional schools and they support the same way I cook. And Jill, I, I get it. Like my girlfriends come over and they see me. I usually cook a lot, like mass amounts at a time because we have a big family and a lot of big eaters. So they'll come over and they're mesmerized by like, wait, you chopped that onion. Start to go, start over again. How did you chop that up? Right. Or, or you peeled that garlic. How did, and it, it honestly, it's such basic ingredients and I don't know, like, okay, roasting beets, you know, I chop up the beets, I peel the beets, chop them up, you know, put some garlic in, toss it with some olive oil, throw it on a pan and put it in the oven. And Come on, you know you could do that. This is my problem. Yeah. I am kind of type A personality OCD, so I like to bake because I can follow a recipe. And the instructions are right there. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what to do. Cooking scares me because I know a lot of times people just throw things together and it comes out amazing. And A pinch and a bushel. and And I'm like, this doesn't taste like this. Right. And so I... You're right in my head about that. (laughs) And I I think that's what I observed from my mom. She never had a recipe. So it to me, it was Uh, just like. I'm envious of that. But hey, come on over. I'm going to give you some cooking lessons. We'll have fun. Next time we visit, you come over and. and Oh, don't think that I will not take you up on that. (laughs) Oh, it's on, girls. And my husband's like, go. Go there now. It is so. And actually, you can go on Well Inspired Travels and see some of the recipes. I've started looking at them. The the chocolate chocolate one. Yes. Mm. Yes. So super basic. And if you need any help, call me up. Oh, I'll well, walk you through it. I'll I'm come over to your house to. and we'll do it together. <laughs> your number is 411, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> How did you two meet? Uh-oh. Oh, Girl, feel free. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, a girlfriend of mine. Did was... I use my line? 
What is it? Do you know where the airport is? Oh, God, no, no. That's hasn't. That's no. Just kidding. Okay. It's a joke that I always use. It's an use. inside joke. Oh but... uh, it's a joke I always use. And um, I, uh... So, a girlfriend of mine, I was coming out of a long term relationship. And uh, so she thought it was time for me to meet somebody new. And uh, mm-hmm. I was not in that mindset at all. But uh, she, I guess, strategically had this evening planned out. She was good friends with one of Chris's. Best friends on the team, backup goalie, Jamie McLennan, one of our very dear friends, Noodles. and uh, Noodles. Yes. So <laughs> The noodler. <laughs> she was good friends with him, and somehow they connected this evening of, hey, let's introduce Chris and Lauren together. I had no clue. So we meet, and Chris, you know, is very, especially back in the day, he's come out of his shell tremendously over the <laughs> last 20 years, but... Um, I mean, I don't know who, you know, what that's about or anything, but <laughs> um, so he was very quiet, very shy. I really might have had, yeah, just a few conversations, very small conversations with him. So I walked away from the evening being like, oh, because hey, Suzanne, my girlfriend said, hey, what do you think? And I said, oh, he's a nice guy, you know, uh, not too much, didn't think too much about it. And uh, so he called my house uh my apartment and you want to say well, go ahead <laughs> the line you continue okay so my other roommate picks up the phone this is back when we had you know phones on the wall and yes. everything, not cell yeah. phones the rotary dial we're dating yep. ourselves here but uh so she picks up the phone and i think i was in the shower or something and he's like yes yeah, is, is lauren there and she's no i'm sorry you know she's busy i'll have her call you and he goes okay we'll have her call chris pronger and she goes oh okay chris pronger i so she hangs up the phone and she comes in and she's like, Lauren, Chris Pronger, not just Chris, some guy, Chris, Chris Pronger called you. And I was like, oh, okay. How are you supposed is... to know how many Chris she knows? <laughs> I was not that kind of girl. Popular girl. What are you going to do? <laughs> so anyway, I, uh, I called him back and he was on a, uh, he was headed on a West Coast trip that week. And um, my ex-boyfriend at the time was coming back from a trip uh, oh. on the East Coast and I, I was very honest and upfront and we were still friends at that time. We were in that transition of, okay, you break up but you still see each other all the time and so and we were, it was very peaceful so I said, okay, I said uh, I have to pick so-and-so up from the airport as I promised about 5 o'clock and because uh, Chris had planned this for when he was coming back from the West Coast swing trip, you know, that we were going to get together. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not free that evening. And he said, well, hold on. We and had a couple of days off. He Coming home, we had a couple of days off, so it was a green light. <laughs> and this is in January, so keep this in mind. And so he steps away from the phone for a quick second, because I think he, he knew. He was like, I got to get in before this guy comes back. He hops back on the phone. He goes, never mind. He goes, actually, uh, it's a party at noon on Saturday in January. And I was like okay, well, what, what's the party for? And at your house, like, well, what's going on? Is there a football game? I don't know about it. No, it's just, I'm going to have, you know, barbecue a couple guys over. I was like, okay, sure. I talked to my girlfriend. I said, okay, you're only going, you got me into this. If you go, I'll go. She said, okay, of course. She's, you know, excited about the guys that are going to be there and everything. So we go and uh, let me tell you, Jill, <laughs> he had his game <laughs> on. Like that, it was like, mm, oh my, yes. In, in that moment, I was like, I love, I'm in love with this guy. Like I, he is, you hilarious. weren't like, this is too much. You, no, 
He was everything he's still, and I mean, of course, we've got a lot of fire in our marriage, and, and it's been... She yells at me a lot. Oh, gosh. I don't know well, why. But it's been a very successful <laughs> marriage, but I will say one of the, my, the, the top things that I love about you most is his sense of humor, and he won me over with his sense of humor, and to this day, it's still the same way, um, but uh, he, you know, had me kind of at the breakfast counter. He had a couple drinks lined up, and it was just turn it on, game on, and keep her laughing. Next thing I know, I get a phone call from my brother who says, you're supposed to be picking so-and-so up from the airport. And he was, it was really bad. He was very upset about where I was. I don't was. know what happened. And I said, <laughs> okay, you know what? I'm sorry. This is the whole reason why we broke up in the first in the first place. So I'm, I'm staying and I don't know. Anyway, so long story short, that was January. Uh, he proposed in April. Right before the playoffs. Yeah, it worked. We had a year and a half engagement. And coming up on how many years of marriage, Chris? How many, Lauren? Uh-oh. 18. <laughs> I was quizzing you. No, I quiz you. She gets it wrong all the time. Does she? Yeah. Not. Uh, well, if, uh, if I did, you know oh, what would happen. you would know about oh, it. Oh, yeah, you know it. <laughs> so, yes, it was anything you want to add? Yeah, sure the best is that yeah. she can't stay mad. She can't drives her nuts because then I start making jokes and she's Ugh. and then she, you it laugh really and stop uh, it, stop doing that. Did I get that right? Or is there anything you want? Uh, I mean, we don't have four hours for my version, so yes, it sounds good. <laughs> it's close enough. Now I have to ask though, did it intimidate you at all knowing what Chris did or what you were going to get into? Well, having two older brothers uh, that love sports and so forth. Um, you know, I don't, hmm, how do I strategically say this? Uh-oh. Chris was obviously known as a man about town. I, um, I think my brothers <laughs> were, what? well, I mean, you had a lot of, <laughs> of course, you're a very handsome superstar athlete, captain of the St. Louis Blues. So my brothers who was uh, or a bit older than me were always, you know, they'd be at the bars and they would see him and so forth. So as soon oh. as I, you know, said, oh, okay going on my first date with so-and-so, um, then they were like, Ugh, you know what? We love him as a superstar hockey player. Huge fans, but not mm, necessarily huge fans for our sister. Oh. So I said, you know what? And they what? didn't even know me. Uh, yes, yes. But no, they just, you know, they're protective. and um, Just like your sons are going to be. Yes. We and hope. I was not a huge, you know, hockey, you know, big fan and didn't go to a lot of games and so forth. I... I knew who he was, but, um, you know, I was protective even with myself because, you know, we all know stories of people and what could happen. So anyway, I really felt it in my bones, though, that he was worth trusting and giving it a a solid shot. So I said to my parents and to my brothers, I said, you know what, you've got to meet him because he's pretty solid and I'm I'm really, uh, really enjoying his company and so forth. And so uh, I think as soon as they met him as well, that. They felt a tremendous amount of trust, and obviously it happened so fast, and and it worked. So uh, my brothers absolutely adore Chris, probably, you know, best friends with them, and my parents, you know, feel the same way. So I met her parents on our third date (laughs) (laughs) after a Rams game. Oh, boy. (laughs) Where I knew the beer vendor. (laughs) That's never a good thing. That's another episode, too. Yeah. That's another four-hour one. (laughs) Uh, Let's, before we wrap up, in a serious note with the Well-Inspired Travel, mm-hmm. Chris, you wrote recently on your Instagram about... I have an Instagram account? 
Cool. You do. It's at the Chris Pronger. True. Follow him. He is True. very entertaining. Legit. And, that's and legit. Very that one. Spiritual and soulful. <laughs> yes, this is the yeah. soulful this is real Sunday stuff. Post this that is I'm real stuff about. we're talking about. And yeah. you should also follow Well Inspired Travels on Instagram as well as Lauren Pronger. But on your Instagram account, Chris, you talked about how your beautiful wife Lauren helped you through a very dark time, the career-ending concussion. How you are happy that concussions are now being talked about and. On a totally minor level, I used to coach cheerleading on the high school and college level, and concussions were such a serious thing, but the athletes just didn't get it. They didn't put me in. I'm fine. I'm fine. And they did not understand what could happen from a concussion long term. And so you talked a little bit about this in your post and the dark times for yourself as a husband, as a father, as a friend, and a I know it kind of ties into well-inspired travel, so I just wanted you to touch on that just a little bit. You know, I started playing pro in 93, but obviously played hockey from the age of five. And, um, you know, you take hits. You don't, you know, back then there was really no such thing as a concussion. It was uh, a stinger or I saw stars or, um, you know, I got a headache or whatever. It it wasn't a concussion. And uh, so you just kept playing. You just continued on and I think as my career evolved and I started to play junior and then turn pro um, you know you wanted to play there was uh, competition within the locker room and on the team as to playing time right. making the team all the rest of that stuff so you, you know if you miss a bunch of games you might lose your job so you always you know everybody was kind of it was ingrained in you to continue to play and you know you, this, that's what you're getting paid to do play so um, I kind of lived by that edict and and really took it to the next level where, you know, a lot of times you're not healthy. I mean, I don't know if I ever played a completely healthy hockey game, <laughs> maybe when I was 11. That's scary. <laughs> you know, but I mean, you, you know, you got a sore groin or you got a sore shoulder or, you know, it just, it is what it is. It's a, it's a physical sport and it takes a lot of, a lot out of you and, and it takes a lot to play the game. So you know, you, you you understand that going in, and, you know, it, it's a type of game that, uh, as we just saw here in St. Louis, I mean, it, it can bring a city together, and it can yeah. uh, galvanize a city, uh, but as a player, you know, you do go through tough times. You know, I've had 14 surgeries, and I don't know how many concussions, and different breaks, and strains, and sprains, and different things, and uh, you know, it takes its toll on you after a while. And I think once that, la- you know, the eye injury with the concussion when I was in Philly kind of was the last straw. And, you know, I was dizzy for, you know, a couple of years. And, you know, uh-huh. I struggled. My eye was bothering me. And, you know, it took me a couple months to get glasses and uh, struggled with, with that part of it because it was uh, because I didn't have glasses on. My eye was constantly blurry and trying to refocus. And it was giving me headaches and making the headaches even worse. And, um, so I kind of had to figure that out, and then I worked on my eye because I had so much trauma to my eye. I needed to really retrain it and kind of get it to where it is now. And um, you know, and then obviously, you know, driving. You know, like I think I wrote in there. You know, I'd drive a car and I'd have sunglasses on at night because the oncoming headlights bothered my eyes. And um, you know, so there's all kinds of different things that you go through that you know you, at the time you don't want to talk about. You really kind of want to keep everything in and, and kind of fight it on your own. And, you know, I think she saw that's how I was my whole career. And, 
try to get healthy on your own. You work with rehab and specialists and all the rest of that. But she was uh, with me through it all and kind of saw the evolution of it and kind of steered me in the right direction and, and was very supportive and getting uh, getting me to the right people and uh, as were the Flyers and you know ultimately saw Mickey Collins in, in Pittsburgh and did a lot of eye, eye therapy and, and stuff with my head. He's kind of the one that steered us towards not playing again and then obviously I met with the owner in, in Philly who was great and uh, Mr. Snyder was top notch in, in understanding and looked at basically looked at my medical file and was like, his uh, son-in-law is a doctor, and he looked at it and he goes, "How's this guy playing? <laughs> you know, how many concussions this guy had, and you know, all, you know, looking at all the injuries and all the things that had gone on throughout my career, and uh, you know, I'm pretty grateful for for that, and and having an owner like that is is pretty special. But uh, you know, she was uh, as supportive, and the kids were as supportive. You know, it was not the easiest for a long right. time, and you know, it takes its toll on the kids too. You know, they see their dad sitting in the dark and see uh you know the different things that uh, that you're going through and um you know but once you kind of turn the corner and 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 get out of it a little bit you start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and you start kind of digging your way out and and uh the support system around you definitely helps and i think you know that's uh something a platform that chris and myself really want to um support and be there for people because um I think it's a success story of we were there. I mean, Chris was there in those dark, dark times. Our kids witnessed it. And, you know, there's a lot, I think, out there as far as networks and supports for from athlete to athlete, like that Chris has with his buddies within their sports communities. But I don't know a lot about women and wives, girlfriends, mothers, children being there for each other because that is a really scary time for everybody involved. I mean, I remember, you know, some of those really awful times, you know, just crying and and wondering if Chris would ever be whole again and if this was just life. And that is such a scary place to be in. And so to have somebody, you know, I am open and really wanting, and I think Chris is too, to pick up the phone and I will tell you, you know, we were there, but here are the steps that we took. And it may be different for each family and, and each um, athlete that's trying to heal from this or whoever it is that's trying to heal from a concussion. We're, you know, uh, success and a light at the end of the tunnel of saying, you know, just you got to stick with it. And um, and I think we really feel it is our responsibility to share that and um, because I, I am beyond grateful for where we stand and, and how Chris fought for his life because he's the leader of our family and I couldn't do it without him. I know we're not getting completely into it now, the dark times and that you are saying, not saying, oh, everything was great. Yeah. And, and that's not what people need to hear. They need yeah. to hear that there are dark times. Lauren, it sounds like you have another project after Well-Inspired travels settles down for you some sort of support group yeah we can come up with a name i love it that yes that's so awesome though because you're right the wife to wife girlfriend Mm -hmm. kids it made me think of this camp that is local for kids whose parents have cancer or had Mm -hmm. cancer and so that this is an outlet for them so yeah but right now well-inspired travels wellinspiredtravels.com follow them on Facebook, on Instagram, and... Oh, I do have an Instagram account. 
Yeah, and oh. those glasses. Yes. Oh, I, when you were talking God. about the glasses, yes. I thought about so the little thing. I had to put was... those on for therapy. Those oh, things were whoop. Those made my yeah. head hurt. Yeah. But <laughs> you can see him at the Chris Pronger on Instagram. I wish you two nothing but the best with this. I can't wait to Thank keep you. following your journey and maybe become a, a cook. Uh, yeah, I can't say good cook. Or yes. better you can, cook. You can do cook. it. And by no. the way, you can do it all on the weekend so it's in the fridge and ready to roll. Yes. Okay. I might hire you for okay. a little bit until I get ready. <laughs> Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and if you're feeling really generous, write me a review. And don't forget to join me next week for a new episode of Two Kids and a Career.